Uh, we've been in a series for the last three weeks. This is the third week. It's called One. And uh, really what we're trying to find in this series is a vision for marriage from the wisdom of the scriptures. And uh, I believe that what we've done in the last couple of weeks, yes, it's so vital for married couples, but I think it, it's also in some ways God has used it uh, for those who aren't married. I've had some conversations with people who aren't married, some who have uh, maybe involved in a, maybe a marriage that has been broken uh, and coming out of that. And so we just trust that what we're doing this, this month in this series, God will use it to speak into our hearts. And this is where we began. Two weeks ago, we started with this. A vision for marriage begins with a promise. And we, we, we started to understand what covenant relationship means in the scriptures and what it means in marriage. And then we, last week, we talked about a vision for marriage will only thrive as a partnership. And we started understanding that through this perspective that if we looked, if a spouse looked at their, their spouse, spouse um, as an image bearer of God, how would that change their relationship? How would that change their day, their interaction? And then moving from that perspective to this to understanding that a spouse is a primary relationship, a priority relationship um, in your life, and then moving to understand partnership, physical, economic, spiritual, and really holistically in life. And that's where we ended the last couple of weeks. And so we've been talking about faithfulness, we've been talking about companionship and partnership, but what's next? What's more? And so here's the phrase we're going to land on with today, and the phrase is this, a vision for marriage fulfills a purpose. A vision for marriage fulfills a purpose. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hijack a biblical theme and apply it to marriage, all right? And so, so we're going to take a biblical theme, and this biblical theme is this. And kind of think about it in two ways. I'll read the verses later. We understand from the scripture that God works things out for your good, for our good, for those who love Christ and are following Jesus. There's, there's this theme in the scriptures that God... Um, is there with us and for us and walks with us for our good. The other theme in the scriptures is that he will complete the good that he started in you and me. Um, and he wants to complete that until the fullness of, of his plans are in place in new creation. And so God's vision for you, God's vision for me is good. And God's vision for you and God's vision for me is growth. Now, if that's true, if it's true that God's vision for you and me is good and God's vision for you and me is growth, and if marriage is something that we, we understand from the scriptures to be ordained by God. Now, if you're married, then yes, your marriage is ordained by God. If you've chosen not to be or celebrate signalness, that's cool. There's part of that, that that's in the scriptures as well. But if this is true, then somehow it has to make sense that, that marriage fits into God's vision for goodness and for growth. That if you're married, or you think about marriage one day, that that marriage fits into the good God is doing in your life and the growth God wants to do in your life. In other words, the purpose of marriage, besides a special partnership, will be for your good and for your growth. Does that sound like narcissistic? Does that sound like, oh, this is for me. I can, marriage is good. I want something out of it. I'm married for me. Well, listen to this. Um, and part of it is true, but... Um, we don't want to go to narcissism today, but let's... Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We've read this over the last couple of weeks, but here's one little verse in here. God, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. There was something that wasn't good. So the opposite of that is that if it wasn't good for man to be alone, and then man and woman are created, and we see this union of two people, then there must be something good out of that. If it, wasn't, if it was not good 
that man would be alone. But then there was a goodness in a marriage relationship. What is that goodness? So when two people get married, there is goodness to be found there. So marriage is intended by God for your good. Now define good. Like Let's kind of just everybody, well, not everybody, that'd be a lot of answers, but somebody throw out, what's, your, what's good? Like, give an example of goodness. It doesn't have to be related to marriage. Just, what's good? When you think of good, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Picture, what? Giving. giving. Anything else? Not being alone. Anything else? So being with somebody is good. Companionship. Yes. Patience. Patience. Anything else? Food. It's very good. Mm. Now you just made me think about lunch. One more. Anybody else? Health. Thank, what? Health and kindness. kindness. What do you say, Salama? A help. A helpmate. Okay, cool. Nobody said ice cream. I don't. That's weird. I think ice cream is is good. I think ice cream is good. I think in the summer when if you grow your own tomatoes or you buy tomatoes, a juicy tomato is good for you, but it's also good, like it tastes good. And so I think a juicy tomato is good. Uh, nobody said vacation. Like, isn't vacation pure goodness? Like, if you were to just, like, hang out there for a week, wouldn't that be pure goodness? What about after you work out or you had a productive day at work and like they just high five you at work and they're like, yes, you did a great job. Would that be good? Would that feel like this is good? There's some things that we can understand <laughs> that, are, that are good. I was, that was a delayed reaction. That's because it only went up. Okay, cool. So what's the good that can be found in marriage? What's the good that can be found in a relationship that comes to become one flesh? Here's Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I, I told you we're hijacking a biblical theme and applying it to marriage. And here's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love that verse. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. When God works things out, he works them out for our good. There's something about what God is doing. Now, sometimes it's the simple pleasure of goodness. Sometimes goodness just feels like ice cream. Sometimes it's just simple goodness. But often it's to help us become what he's created us or who he's created us to be. There's good in that. But let's, just, let's, let's take the first one, just simple goodness. And what simple goodness in marriage is. That a spouse would love their spouse so much that they would delight in goodness for them. That they would delight in good things for them. That they would delight in, in good experiences for them. There's a man that now he's passed away. Uh, he was a friend of my family's. His name was Guido. Now, he wasn't in the mob and he didn't play the accordion. But his, na- okay? his name was Guido. And he married someone named Franca. Now, Guido is like longtime friend of the family. When my, uh, fa- my parents... Uh, lived, actually lived in Italy, this man, Guido, now my parents were already following Christ, uh, their family was already a part of a Christian community there, and Guido came into their little town on the top of a mountain in Calabria, in the southern part of Italy, and he was a priest. He comes in, came into town with a robe, and, and he came to be like a Catholic representative in their town. I mean, everybody in Italy is Catholic. This is the 30s, the 40s, this is the 40s, and 
Guido, in that season, uh, he meets my family and he meets other believers in that town and he discovered uh, an incredible joy in Jesus that he didn't find before. And he became a follower of Christ um, in, a, in a much more significant way. And uh, he left the priesthood and he found a woman. Leave the priesthood, find a woman. He left the, he left the priesthood, he found a woman named Franca. Has no connection to my wife. But he married her. And... Um, they got married, they lived in Italy for a little bit, then they moved to New York State, and he became a school teacher, and lived uh, just six hours from here for, for the mo- most of his life. And so I grew up with this older man, he was about 15, 20 years older than my dad. And uh, he would often come and visit him and his wife, and, and he was a nice man, he was a gracious man, but something I always sensed, even as like an eight-year-old kid, or a 12-year-old kid, or a teenager, whenever I saw them together, I had this sense that Guido loved Franca so much. Like he cherished her. And, you know, I remember she would come in and she'd have this beautiful piece of jewelry. And like, where'd you get that from? Oh, Guido bought me this. And he just, he loved to bless her. He loved to just give her gifts. One day she came, one day visited, and she had this beautiful coat. And, and we're like, Guido got that for you, right? And he just, he loved to bless his, his wife. He loved to bless her. And... Later on in life, Franca got really sick, and uh, she had a very serious illness. It was a terminal illness, but it lasted for 10 or 12 years. Um, And Guido, in his 70s, 60s and 70s, for at least a decade, took care of Franca in their home in this little town in New York State. He fed her, uh, he clothed her, he spent time by her bed, And for the last decade of their life together, before she passed away, he pursued her good. It was just for her goodness. It was just because he loved her. And when I I saw that relationship, there was something about it, that the purpose for marriage, there's good in it. There's goodness in it. Now, I, I can ask you today, you know, how do you feel in your marriage? But let me ask you the reverse question. Is probably more important... Is your spouse experience good, experiencing goodness from you? Or goodness because of you? That doesn't mean that your spouse has to buy you like awesome jewelry. Uh, that's, not, that's not the point. I was, I was, actually, I was thinking about Matt and Daria today. Daria shared the announcements today. And, and uh, Matt loves to save more than he loves to spend. But they, <laughs> that's the good uh, in his life. But, but you know what's cool about them? As I've noticed, they've only been married about four or five years. How many years are you married? Yeah, just over four. And, uh, and so they have like a diligent budget, the both of them. But there's something when I see them. I just, I just get this sense that they pursue each other's good. And, and, and maybe in different ways than other couples, but there's something I see in that. Sorry, guys, I put you on the spot. But um, there's something I see in that. What happens with that? Does, does your spouse feel cherished? Does your spouse feel loved, supported, cared for, safe, listened to? When you make decisions, is it for the good of your spouse? When you plan the next year or a season in your life, is it for the good of your spouse, the good of your marriage? When one of you in a marriage, when someone in a marriage sacrifices time or money or effort or skills or strengths, are you sacrificing it for the good of the other? When you work or provide for your family, do you do it for the good of the other. And there's something about 
this part of the purpose of marriage that's just simple goodness. That's how God designed it. Now, there's, there's an obstacle to this, and the obstacle is fear. And the fear is often, well, if I do that, well, I, what about me? Like, if I do that for my spouse, I, I want that. I want that in return. I want, I want something. I want to feel good. But, of course, that's a vicious cycle, right, to feel that way? The other side of it is, no, what if we both pursued each other's good? Now, let me move beyond simple goodness, because simple goodness is so great. But there's more to goodness than just those simple goodness things. So verse 28 says that God works all things out for our good. In verse 29, though, as Paul would continue this letter, he he continues by what that good is for a Christian and for a person. And that good is to be conformed to the image of Jesus to the image of God's son. So there's something about how God works things out for our good, that that goodness, yes, God loves simple goodness for us. But there's more to that goodness, and that goodness is actually growth, becoming like Jesus. When God works things out for your good, for my good, part of that good is growth. Part of that good is our growing, that we would become more like Christ, that we would take on the character of Christ, that there would be a transformation process that goes on in each and every one of us, that we would become more and more the person that God envisioned us to be. That God works all these things out for our good so we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Here's this next biblical theme. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And speaking about God, God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So something that God is doing in us, the good he's doing in us, he, wants, he will continue that work in us until the day of Jesus Christ. There's, there's this goodness at work in us, and that goodness is growth. That Who are we becoming? What are we becoming? So here's this idea of growth, and how, as we bring this into marriage, the purpose of marriage is not just for your good. The purpose of marriage is actually for your growth. If you're married, if you're in a marriage relationship, the purpose of that marriage is also for your growth because your growth is good. Because your growth is part of the good there. Here's the question we can ask. Do you see a better version of your spouse in your spouse? Do you see a better version of your spouse in your spouse? Because none of us, I mean, if I look at Dave Zotta here, he's a super guy, and I like him. I think he's great. There's things about Dave that I admire, but uh, Dave's not perfect. So there's, some, there's more in Dave than just Dave. There's more that God wants to do in him. When, when someone looks at me, you know, I'm sure you can list 10 things of where I can grow and the person God's creating me to be and who he wants me to be. Take it this, think about it this way. Like if, if you see your spouse with that next picture, Beth, um, so... If you look at your spouse, sometimes you just look at the outside. You look at the box. Like, this is my spouse. This is good. This is that. But there's something inside them, inside the box, that God wants to unearth, that God wants to keep growing, that God wants to bring out, that God wants to transform. I mean, let's face it. None of us are as we should be or could be. It's true. None of us. None of us in this room have arrived to become the person God envisions us to be. There's a version of us or a future version of us that God sees, that God desires, that God is working things out for our good and for our growth. And, and here's, here's what, why marriage plays a part in this, and it's huge. 
And it's, it's even more unique in marriage than it is in other things. Because marriage has the power to bring that, that out of us. Marriage has the power to bring that out of us. See, not, now, this is hard because this means change. Nobody likes change. You didn't get married so your spouse would change you. You didn't get married so you'd become a different person. You, no one did that. Now, marriage, isn't, marriage is not meant to um, force your spouse into becoming something they are not. That's not what marriage is about. But we often find it hard to say, well, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm married to, my wife's name is Franca, so I'm thinking like, I think Franca could change, but I got, I got nothing. I'm, I think I'm good. Like, I don't need to change anywhere. But Franca, she could, she, I can pinpoint three things that she can change, but not me, I'm good. I think, I think I'm good with that. We, isn't that like our default mode? Like, we look at the other and say, yeah, they've got a couple of things they can change. And we look at ourselves and say, no, I think I'm cool this way. But, but here, here's what marriage, why marriage has the power to bring that out of us is because marriage has the power to show us who we really are. Marriage has the power to show us who we really are. It really does. I was at a friend's house on uh, Friday night, and uh, as we had left there, when we came into their neighborhood, we didn't see this sign. We saw just maybe it was the back of it, but didn't even notice. And then it was later at night, I was walk- uh, we were driving out of their neighborhood. It was a crescent, and then there was this flashing sign showing me the speed. I mean, I wasn't on St. John, so it really kind of freaked me out. I was on this little street, and then I see like 27, 28, 29, 30, and then it starts flashing. After it passes 35, this light starts beaming out of it like and i'm like wow they're really trying to get my attention i'm i'm going over the speed limit and we kind of freaked out in the car like it literally felt like it was getting more intense and then this beam of light just kind of shined on us and what what that did though what that did was that sign showed me what i was really doing right that that sign in that instant i would not have known it was 10 30 at night i wasn't really driving fast i mean 27 28 29 but but it started to show me that I was going 30, 32, 34, 35. And it had this ability that I wouldn't have by myself. And that's, marriage has this ability. It's like a mirror of truth. Marriage has this ability to show us who we really are. See, most people, unless they have amazing friends who speak truth into their lives, will not unearth um, you know, some of the things that they wrestle with. And unless some people have really amazing friends, when they, often when they get married, they're shocked at what their spouse sees in them. And it's not because marriage is bad. And it's not because marriage is a, is a behavior police. It's not. That's totally not what marriage is. But it's because marriage is this vehicle for truth, unlike any other relationship. It's this vehicle for truth that, that somehow shows us. We, you become raw in, more raw in marriage. You become exposed in marriage. I never forget, when I, when I got married, something I discovered more about myself, I, I think I thought there was hints of it in me, but when I got married, I just realized how selfish I was. It's like, oh man, this is... I, re, like, I was like, man, Dave, you're pretty selfish. I, I, didn't, I didn't fully get that before but when i was becoming one with my wife and partnering in life with my wife i started to discover this selfishness in me and the reasons why i did stuff or wanted stuff or made decisions then of course when i had a child that just turned up 
the mirror a notch. <laughs> like, I'm really selfish. And then I had a second child, and I thought, boy, this is really getting stuff out of me that I didn't know I had. But we discover this truth about, about each other in this way. Sometimes in simple ways. You know, you're at the door, and your wife says, like, are you really going to go out like that? <laughs> that? You know, never say that to your wife. But your wife can say that to you. Or maybe... You know, you come back from a night with friends and your spouse says, like, I can't believe you said that. When you said that, did you see their face? Did you see how they replied? Do you, like, you did not, you were totally clueless to how they felt in the moment. And because there's something about marriage that gives you the ability to do that. We were with friends this summer. We went out for a day. And I remember my friend said something and his wife just kind of hit him in the stomach, you know? And I thought, who does that except your spouse? You know, who, who can say, like, you're an idiot? Why'd you do that? There's something about that. But then there's other more serious things that happen when your spouse might say, you know, hey, it's been about a month from that incident. Did you apologize to that person? Like, uh, I'm kind of avoiding it. Or your spouse might tell you directly, you know, every time you say that, you drain me. Every time you say that, you drain me. You don't realize it, but you do. And then you learn something about yourself that you didn't know was, was true. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that sometimes Ahoyo Frank could tell me, you know Dave, Andrew, which is my son, you know Andrew does that because you do that. I'm like, oh, do I really? Yeah, that's why he does that. And sometimes I'll, I'll tell her, you know, Frank, the reason the kids feel that way about this, this situation is because you feel that way about this situation. Tim Keller says this, He says, the only flaws that enslave you are the ones you're blind to. The only flaws that enslave you are the ones you're blind to. And so it's those flaws that are often the obstacles we don't see that stop us from becoming the person God has created us to be. And so there's this power in marriage, which is this power of truth of a mirror into our own lives. And there's something about marriage that helps us become that person that God wants us to be. But here's the key. Only if we allow it to. Only if we allow it to. And if we, all, we can all admit this, whether you're married or not, there is a struggle with allowing someone else to point those things out in your life. So what do, you, what do we do from there? Well, one thing is... Um, we need to, you need to accept truth from your spouse. Accept truth from your spouse. Be able to become the kind of person that accepts truth from your spouse. Now, we could do a whole other talk on boundaries and, on, and, and, and what that means and how that works, but I think just as a general principle, to just understand this truth, accepting truth from your spouse is so vital. Tim Keller says it this way, give your spouse a license to speak truth into your life. See, there's this power that marriage has, but if you don't give a license to that power, a license to that vehicle for truth, you'll never allow it into your life, and you'll never be exposed to the blind spots, to the flaws that you have. And so to give your spouse a license... Now, 
I, I can imagine, even as, even as I'm saying this, some people in this room maybe have had negative experiences about this. Some people in this room maybe have a spouse or a friend that have been abusive and that have, have brought them so down. And so this kind of advice maybe needs to be filtered in, into your own life and your own circumstance. But in general, when you think about that, if we, if, we, if we block ourselves from truth, we will not find goodness or growth. We won't. Tim, uh, Henry Cloud, who's a Christian counselor and psychologist, he writes this. He says, want to know who you should trust? Trust those who both want your best and will tell you the truth, even when it's not flattering. Trust those who want your best and will tell you the truth, even when it's not flattering. And that means to see the people in your life and that... If you're, if you're married, that should be your spouse. To see that person as someone who wants your best and will tell you the truth, even when it's not so flattering, because you're giving them freedom to speak into your life. But of course, on the reverse side, what does that mean? How, do, how, do we, how does that become a healthy cycle? It becomes a healthy cycle only when you speak truth in love to your spouse. Only when you're loving them first and you want their good first. And you want to, you, you delight in their good first, and then you can speak truth in love, which the scriptures encourage us to do with each other, anyways. But as we apply it to marriage, you speak truth in love, not in anger, not in resentment, not in insecurity, not in like some victory mode, but you speak truth in love, humble love, gracious love, thinking of their good. Because the purpose of marriage is for your good and your growth, their good and their growth. And I think one way that you can do that, and we'll, we'll come to a close this way, is to embrace each, other, each other's roles and strengths as unique to who they are and unique to who you are. I love in, in the scriptures, we're not going to read all this, but there's, th- just think about back in Genesis, uh, we read this two weeks ago where, and we started it this morning, you know, that verse, chapter 2, verse 18, us, it wasn't good the Lord said, it's not good that man would be alone. And no suitable helper was found among all of creation. And so we see the creation of woman. And the word there is the word helper. And the word there is the word ezer. But it's interesting that that word helper is the same word that the scriptures use in other parts to refer to God. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my helper. In other words, what's happening there is what's created in that relationship is the other person is, is a necessity. Because when you refer that to the Lord, it's like, I could not do this without the Lord, without his help. When you apply that to marriage, when you look at each other in that way, you realize, I, I can't do this without you. Now, we can come up with ways in our society that obviously we can say, I can make this happen. But in a marriage relation, when we look at the other, we say, oh, I could not do this without you. There's, there's a sense of of submitting and surrendering to one another that is, so, um, that is so beautiful and it's not out of duty, it's not even out of obedience, it's out of love. And so later, I'll encourage you to read, maybe we might read it in the next couple of weeks, Ephesians chapter 5, we're not going to read it here, but Ephesians chapter 5, Paul speaks about this loving submissiveness from a, a, a wife and this servant leadership from a husband and this love that the wife, that the husband gives to the, wi- to the wife and this respect that the love, that the, that the, um, that the wife gives to the husband and this, this incredible sub- mutual submission that takes place 
where, and, and if you want to hear, we've talked through this, and, and uh, maybe we'll point to it on our website this week, a couple, about a year ago, uh, we specifically taught on this passage. But what I love about this passage is this, the goodness you will find in your relationship will come out of your unique roles, will come out of your unique strengths, will come out of how you treat one another uniquely how God has made you and how God has created you to be always out of reverence for Christ, always in the power of the Spirit, where our strengths and our unique roles were designed for our good, for each other's good, for our growth, for each other's growth. So we'll wrap it up this way. A vision for marriage is fulfilled, fulfills a purpose. And that purpose is your good. That purpose is your growth. That purpose is the good of your spouse. That purpose is the growth of your spouse. Now, I'll end with just asking a few questions and then we'll close in prayer. But I mean, is there, is there anything? We haven't had a Q&A in this uh, series and we got uh, like two, three minutes left. Is there, it's kind of risky to throw out a question, you know, but maybe it's cool. Does anybody have a question from the last couple of weeks or from today or something that comes up and we'll make it tone down the feel in the room and make it casual? Anybody? You won't offend me if you don't. You won't offend me if you do. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon, for just, for just some comic relief. That was good. She asked how she can get the ice cream out of her head. Um, that's funny. Listen, if you, I would encourage you to, to uh, if there's some questions, some dialogue over this, even how we can build the rest of the series around that, like send, send a question to us on our, you know, on our website or email, uh, even through Facebook, and, and so we can, we can think through how, that, how we can apply that stuff. Well, let me, here, let me, let me ask you a few questions and then we'll close in prayer. So think, think about this. If you've got a pen and paper, you can write it down. Otherwise, think about this. Do you see the good and growth that God sees in your spouse? Do you see the good and the growth that God sees in your spouse? Are you excited about what God wants to do in your spouse? Are you helping your spouse become their future self? Are you helping them become their future self? Do you give your spouse the license to speak truth into you? Are you willing to change for your good, for their good? Now, you can apply this to other parts of your life, even if you're not married and how we interact as community, but the intensity that is felt in a marriage relationship is different. So just think about those. Let's all stand as we close in prayer. Father, you had this um, goodness designed into marriage. And I know, God, that uh, cultural forces will crush that. Our own sin will not will be obstacles to fulfilling that. Our own fears at times will become a roadblock to wanting good for the other. But God, you have designed um, goodness into what marriage is meant to be, the purpose of it. And we thank you that just as you work out all things for our good, um, you will use marriage, if we are married, for our good. And so we just say yes to that. We say thank you for that, and we want to surrender to that. 
God, may we see that. May we see and pursue. May we see spouses pursue the goodness for one another. And may we also embrace the growth. You work all things for our good so we can become more like Jesus. And that's ultimately becoming more and more the people you've created us to be. And God, for those who are married here, may they see their marriage as a vehicle for that, for goodness and growth. And may they just surrender themselves to that purpose. And may they see their unique gifts and contribution and roles and personalities as a way to contribute to that, God. And God, for all of us here today, may, may we understand that, that the relationships we're in, even if it's not a marriage relationship, that the circumstances in our lives, God, you can use them for our good, for our growth. And we just, we say yes to that and invite your spirit to be at work there. In Christ's name we pray, amen.